Welcome back to the Juice Time Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Adamani, and alongside me tonight is our resident Iowa State insider, the man himself, the pride and joy of Ankeny, Iowa, Nicholas Osen. Nick, a wild week for you on the Iowa State side of things, and a spectacular weekend in the NBA as Friday night's game was a thriller. And I would love to talk to you about those two major topics tonight. How you doing, my brother? Doing pretty well. This last week, like you mentioned, was one of the busier weeks I've had while I'm on the beat. You know, I think that we have had a few pretty good NBA Finals games, like you said. I'm hoping that continues. Didn't necessarily love the result of Game 4, but makes the series go on a little bit longer. So that should be interesting. You know, it was a great week of games, and it's great to be wrapping up the week and a busy weekend like this with you, brother. Nick, I'm definitely on the same page as you in terms of the result Friday night, but we chug along and look ahead to San Francisco tomorrow night. So, folks, strap in for another episode of the Juice Time Podcast. And as always, juice up. All right, Nick. Obviously, we are heading into a new week and looking into Game 5 of the NBA Finals. But I did want to touch on Game 4 because there was a true volcanic eruption from Stephen Curry on Friday night. He had one of his best games in his career, certainly his greatest playoff game, 43 points and genuinely shot the lights out, 50% from deep and 14 of 26 overall. That man could not miss on Friday night, and he carried the load for the game-winning Golden State Warriors, 107-97. to I was truly stunned by Steph's performance, Nick. I know we've seen plenty of miraculous games from him, but that one was a true statement, especially on the offensive end, and allowed for Golden State to have the momentum heading back home Monday night. Yeah, see, you know, I didn't grow up a big Steph Curry fan. I've gotten to definitely appreciate and respect his game more over the years. But here's what I'll say about that performance. And as you know, speaking about sports with me for many years, this is a major compliment coming from me because I think this expression is used too often. He really put his team on his back that game. And the fact that you have to say that on a team with Clay Thompson, I'm not going to throw Wiggins in there because he played a really good game, but Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, couple other big names or at least you know respectable players definitely not a great sign for the team or necessarily the Celtics that they didn't win a game where those guys didn't do anything however that's probably in the top two or three most memorable games I've seen from Steph the other ones would probably be regular season including a crazy game winner over the Thunder I'll never forget that but Steph showed me he, he reminded me that he's clearly the best player in this series, which isn't a big surprise. I mean, he's top three to five in the world, but still certainly did that. And then had me second guessing the Celtics winning the series. 
because as we get to the preview of game five, we know we're waiting on a major game from someone who necessarily has not done it yet. But that was impressive from Steph. And I know you saw, had me tweeting about the guy. And I'm not even a huge Curry fan. Yeah, Nick, it's safe to say neither of us really like the Golden State Warriors as a whole. And certainly not Steph Curry. I know you've had countless battles against him uh, in terms of LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers a few years back. Uh, What you really touched on there that was key is another truly mediocre performance from Clay Thompson. And I hate to say not much help from the supporting cast and mentioning his name as a supporting cast member for the Warriors, but that is honestly what it's come to in this series when Steph Curry shoulders the load, like you mentioned, and scores 20 more points than the leading scorer on the Boston Celtics. That is what set the Warriors apart. Klay Thompson, sure, he knocked down some timely threes, but his stat line, again, was nothing impressive. And you mentioned Draymond Green, who I have never liked. Not once in his career have I enjoyed him. And it's grown worse this season as he has become a bit role on TNT, which I cannot stand because they already have a wrecking crew with Shaq, Barkley, a little bit of Candace Parker in the mix, and our man Dwayne Wade. But Nick, Draymond Green is a ghost. I honestly believe he is broken. His post-game podcasts are not serving him well. And he's making a fool of himself out on the court. Two points in the NBA Finals? I know the guy averages like nine points for his career. But he was far more of a competitor and key component to those three Warriors championships. And I have seen nothing from him in this series And what is ridiculous is that the Warriors could very well win the series with virtually no help from guys like him and Klay Thompson. Now, I think you made a really good point initially there with Klay. I know you're not a Draymond guy. I don't think I realized quite how deeply that goes for you. I definitely like him. Uh, My, you know, kind of respect for him as, well, it, it evolved at Michigan State. Then I wasn't really a fan early in his career. And now it's kind of grown the last three or four seasons. What I will say is the shot making or lack thereof is unacceptable. I I do think if you watch closely, he does affect the game in other ways. But yeah, that game four, I mean, it really, it very well could have cost him. And Kerr made a good move pulling him for, I believe it was three and a half minutes in the fourth, somewhere around there, three to four minutes. It wasn't longer than that. But it was enough for the Warriors to come back, tie, and take the lead. And then that was obviously it for good. And I do think it speaks to how good Steph has been because, like you mentioned, Clay's had a good maybe three halves in the series, but he hasn't been Clay Thompson. And Jordan Poole, who really burst on this year, obviously, has had a couple moments, but generally has been spotty in these finals. So I think it does speak to how good Steph is. Because clearly the Celtics are the more complete team. And it's going to be interesting. Best of three. 
Both teams have shown they can win on the road. What's up in game five? Nick, looking into game five on Monday night, as much as I don't want to say this, I think all momentum points toward the home team in the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is just getting himself going. That is what people don't realize. This man is the greatest shooter to ever pick up a basketball. And he showed it in Boston, hostile atmosphere, on Friday night. And he gets to go home Monday night with his home crowd in his own arena where he has shot countless baskets and made them. He is going to be so comfortable at the Chase Center on Monday night. I would not be surprised if he erupted for another 40-piece or high 20s, low 30s, and a little bit of help from Clay Thompson because Clay is embarrassing himself in the fact that he could very well be the second greatest shooter of all time, and he has not shown it at all in this series. Countless opportunities to shoot the ball at a high level, and he has not taken advantage of those. So I think Monday night is a statement game from him, and Steph does exactly what we expect from him, which is take over this series and remind the world that he has won three championships and is one of the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. He is. And I'm glad that you said that because as crazy as it is, sometimes he is undervalued when people just say he is the greatest shooter of all time. Now, again, I I really think as you would say, you brought the juice tonight because I'm agreeing with a lot of your points and I kind of like how you're, you know, getting into them. I don't think he goes for another 40. Color me shocked if that happens. But I like the idea of some of those other scorers, you know, putting up a fight and a better performance. And I say that mostly because as stubborn as some of the Celtics have been in a good way on the court and sticking to their schemes and things like that, I think it might be time to kind of devolve from that and take care of Steph. Let's see what these guys can do because – Clearly, he's a guy that can essentially win and certainly keep the team in a game for themselves. Personally, with how, even though it seems so good, right, they've been a lot of double-digit games, which is interesting. I think the Celtics come back. I think they put up a better fight defensively. I'm expecting a massive Jason Tatum game and a player we both enjoy, Al Horford, to really, let's just say, show up to the court this time because that was also a pretty bad, I think, games two and four, I believe, for Horford, but certainly the last game. I'm excited. I'm going to try to get work done during the day, you know, get a nice dinner and enjoy that one, because I think game five could be the best game yet. Nick, it's certainly shaping up to be the greatest game of this series so far. Because we are tied at 2-2, this is the most pivotal game Heading into this week, there's only three opportunities left. And I love how you mentioned the Celtics defense and what they need to focus on. Make Clay Thompson be the first option on offense and see if he's capable of knocking down shots. He hasn't been all series. 
So if they do focus their energies on Steph Curry, Clay Thompson is left holding the basketball. And if they want to win the game, he is required to make shots. And he hasn't been able to really all playoffs long, believe it or not. So I love how you mentioned the Celtics defense. I hope your prediction is correct because I can't get enough of this Celtics team. And just a quick turn back into game four and what I noticed that needs to be different in game five is, sure, the Celtics have balanced scoring. They really have throughout the playoffs between Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and at times Al Horford. They had four guys in double figures on Friday night, but there was no one player that took over the game. And you talk about Jason Tatum. That is the guy you look to to take over. Game three, it was Jalen Brown who actually took over. The reason the Celtics lost on Friday night is because, sure, they had four guys in double figures, but no player stood above the rest. And it was the Steph Curry show. So if the Celtics want to win Friday night, it's got to be Jay Tatum to step into that role and dominate on the road, steal one, just like they did in game one, and set themselves apart. I don't know if they're capable of it, unfortunately. So re- real quick, before we touch on a little cyclone action to, to wrap up, You've got the home team going up then, 3-2? It pains me to say it, Nick, but I have a 111-103 to score at the Chase Center, and Steph Curry reminds the world of his greatness and is one win away from his fourth title in less than eight years. That is unfathomable. His first was in 2015. And what is likely to be his fourth in 2022? Likely, okay. I mean, it's still pretty close. I I don't like the term legacy game, especially based on how young Jason Tatum is and what he did against the Bucks. But for him to be at the level people talk about him, I I take ownership. I've done it. I've fallen in love with the guy's game this year. He needs to show me at least. 30 and eight on Monday. And, and that's a really good game, credible in the finals, but I don't think it's something that's not doable for him. That's what I'm expecting. And I think that he, if he can do that, I mentioned Horford and then a guy that we didn't say, Derek White, who has been consistent throughout the playoffs, but spotty in the finals. For him to show up, I think Celtics go back up. I hope you are spot on, Nick. I am in love with this Celtics team. And it really all started when they defeated the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the second round. I know I mentioned that a couple weeks back, but just reminding the world that the defending NBA champions uh, got booted in the second round. So I hope everything goes in Boston's favor. Marcus Smart, take a few less three-pointers and drive and kick if you have to because – that has served you well in these playoffs. Let's not forget the first series against the Brooklyn Nets and Jason Tatum's buzzer beater layup. That was all thanks to Marcus Smart. 
So, Nick, we are very much looking forward to game five. But not only has this week been massive in the world of basketball, our Iowa State Cyclones have been making a splash in the realm of recruiting. And I'll let you take the wheel here, but our Cyclones have landed a monster wide receiver in the 2023 recruiting class in a man named Kai Black out of Urbandale, Iowa. Really one of the best players and kids that I've really had the chance to speak with. I've probably done seven or eight articles on him, you know, seen him in person four or five times. Just a really awesome, genuine person. And for Iowa State, it's not a shocking commitment, but it's a really good one. Other schools, other good schools, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Wisconsin, schools of that ilk had offered him and were pursuing pretty hard for a while, including Iowa and Wisconsin. But it's just a really good fit. I think he's going to bring a lot of work ethic and leadership, you know, to that building Cyclones culture that, you know, I spoke with seven or eight kids today and so many of them mentioned that, right, coming off this official visit weekend. And, you know, I think it's going to be really cool to see him with with his friend and seven-on-seven teammate, uh, J.J. Cole, like we mentioned, Kai Black at receiver. And we'll have to see if that kind of helps build some potential commitments, big ones down the line for, you know, their, their friends with another in-state star, Jamison Patton, or one of the top rushers in the country, Blake Purchase. They're all familiar with each other now. So it's going to be interesting. I, I got to say, you know, for people out here that have listened to this for five or six years, when I came into this job, I wasn't sure exactly what I would think about recruiting. And team coverage is probably still 1A, but this can be pretty fun, especially when guys are committing and things are popping like that for sure. Nick, it honestly reminds me of NBA free agency and a little bit of that NFL free agency we've seen in the last few years. But whenever the NBA finals end, we always look ahead and wait for the major splashes of players moving across the country to a new team. And I'm in the same boat where I was more excited about you covering the basketball team and the football team in season as opposed to the recruiting. And I have fallen in love with this process by reading your articles and your work on the boards. So I was just elated when Kai Black committed. And I'm hoping that he will nudge along guys like Jamison Patton to commit to stay and round out that 2023 recruiting class because that is a monster group uh, for the future of the Cyclones. And I truly love how you mentioned Wisconsin Badgers. That is a football team that has never prioritized wide receivers with size. So that speaks to the greatness of Kai Black because the Badgers – are always focused on the running back position. So when they were pushing hard for Kai Black, that only meant it would be of a greater magnitude if he committed to state. That's a great point. Like I said, I think it's a really good pickup, and I think that this class of 2023 for the Cyclones could be pretty special. Nick, I certainly hope that's the case. I can very well see both Kai Black and J.J. Cole 
making careers for themselves in the National Football League. Black is kind of following in the footsteps of one Alan Lazard, who has made a name for himself with the Green Bay Packers over the last few years. He does have help with a certain quarterback throwing the ball to him. But Urbandale to Ames to the NFL is a thing of beauty, and it is a process that we have seen succeed in the past. So I can't wait to cherish the years that Kai Black and so many of these recruits that you've been covering actually set foot on the field at Jack Trice Stadium in the coming years, and I know I'll be in attendance this fall and hopefully in seasons in the future. So, Nick, we're all looking forward to another massive week on the football side for you and be on the lookout for Nick's articles on Twitter. He's really pumping out three, maybe four a day at this point because recruiting is so hot right now. And we are just two months away from the Cyclones football season, which kicks off against Southeast Missouri State. Nobody will be at that one. but. I am looking forward to October where I'll be in attendance with the whole family to support our brother, Nicholas. Lots of great things on the horizon. So Nick, thank you for joining me. And as always, bear down forever.